Well, if you have your Bibles, I want to invite you to take them and turn with me to Luke chapter 17. And this evening, I'd like to look briefly with you at uh, a classic story from the Gospels, the story of the mass healing. Uh, Jesus didn't just heal one or two people, but he healed 10 lepers simultaneously. And it seemed like an appropriate text for a setting like this, Thanksgiving Eve. And so let's read this together, Luke chapter 17, starting in verse 11. Luke chapter 17, verse 11, while he was on the way to Jerusalem, he, being Jesus, was passing between Samaria and Galilee. As he entered a village, 10 leprous men who stood at a distance met him, and they raised their voices saying, Jesus, master, have mercy on us. When he saw them, he said to them, go and show yourselves to the priests. And as they were going, they were cleansed. Now one of them, when he saw that he had been healed, turned back, glorifying God with a loud voice, and he fell on his face at his feet, giving thanks to him, and he was a Samaritan. Then Jesus answered and said, were there not ten cleansed? But the nine, where are they? Was no one found to return to give glory to God except this foreigner? And Jesus said to him, Stand up and go. Your faith has made you well. Father, we're grateful for an opportunity to once again just look into your word, and we need your spirit to uh, illuminate us to understand uh, this story and all that it contains, and uh, most importantly, how it applies to our lives tonight. And so we thank you for uh, this time. We ask that you would bless it and use it for your glory and your honor, we ask in Jesus' name, amen. Well, one of the books that has made a dramatic impact on my life, and it's a book that I think every Christian should read at least once in their lifetime, is a book by A.W. Pink called The Attributes of God. Curious, how many of you have read that little book, uh, A.W. Pink, Attributes of God? Put that on your must-read list. And it's a short little book, and uh, has some very profound truth in the book about God. And one of the most memorable quotations that I remember when I read through that book the first time uh, is this, and I want to read it to you as we begin tonight. Pink writes this. He says, when I consider how the goodness of God is abused by the greatest part of mankind, I cannot be of his mind that said... Quote, the greatest miracle in the world is God's patience and bounty to an ungrateful world. He goes on, he says, if a king has an enemy held up in one of his towns, he does not send them in provision, but lays siege to the place and does what he can to starve them out. But the great God that could wink all his enemies into destruction bears with them and as and it is at daily cost to maintain them. Well, may he command us to bless them that curse us, who himself does good to evil and unthankful men. Obviously, he was referring to that 
reference in Luke chapter 6, verse 35, where Jesus told his disciples to love their enemies, do good and lend, expecting nothing in return, and your reward will be great, and you'll be sons of the Most High, for he himself is kind to ungrateful and evil men. We know from Scripture that the sin of ungratefulness or thanklessness is at the very core of our rebellion against God as human beings. Romans chapter 1, verse 21 says, even though they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give what? Thanks. Ingratitude characterizes the sinful society in which we live. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 1 Paul says, realize this, that in the last days, difficult times will come, for men will be lovers of self, lovers of money, boastful, arrogant, revilers, disobedient to parents, ungrateful, and unholy. Well, we don't have to look any further than our own hearts or the hearts of our children to prove that we are all by nature ungrateful. All of us need to be taught to be thankful. How many times did your parents tell you, how many times have you told your children, say please and thank you? It doesn't come naturally to any of us. And it's no wonder that the Bible is just filled with all sorts of commands and encouragements and invitations for us to give thanks to God, along with some examples of people who do. And we have here tonight one of the classic examples in all of Scripture of gratitude, that should remind us tonight how important it is for us to express our gratitude to God for our great salvation that he has so mercifully provided for us through his son, Jesus Christ. Notice the context here in verse 11. It says, while Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem, he was passing between Samaria and Galilee. He was traveling along the border of Galilee and Samaria the area that uh, split between the lower part of Israel and the northern part of Israel. And he was on his way to Jerusalem where he would be arrested and tried and crucified. And it says in verse 12, as he entered a village, 10 leprous men who stood at a distance met him and they raised their voices saying, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. Doesn't tell us what village it was, but uh, there he was walking through this village where a group of 10 lepers had been dwelling together and they saw Jesus and they cried out to him from a distance to heal them. Now, leprosy is one of the oldest recorded diseases in the world. It was the most feared disease in Jesus' day and I imagine a few of you, if any of you, have had any exposure whatsoever to, to leprosy because it's not something that we deal with in a first world country. But I'll never forget the first time I went to India and I witnessed the, the awful effects of, of leprosy. I had never seen anything like it before. And it was, frankly, hideous. And the people that had it were so helpless and they were so hopeless and that's exactly what leprosy was and even is today in third world countries where they don't have access to modern medicine and modern treatment. It's a hideous disease. The word leprous means scaly. That's where the word comes from. 
and it just describes the condition of the skin. It, you develop sores and, and tumors and ulcers, and they swell up all over various parts of your body, which causes your flesh to literally to rot away. And your fingers and your toes slowly deteriorate, leaving stubs and eyebrows and, and eyelashes fall out and noses and ears, they just disintegrate. It's, it's really repulsive. One man has written about leprosy in this context. He said this, you can see that the person is a leper. By a touch of the finger, one can also feel it. One can even smell it. For the leper emits a very unpleasant odor. Moreover, in view of the fact that the disease-producing agent frequently attacks the larynx, the leper's voice acquires a grating quality. His throat becomes hoarse, and you can not only feel, see, and smell the leper, but you can hear his rasping voice. And if you stay with him for some time, you even imagine a peculiar taste in your mouth, probably due to the odor. And so leprosy is a, a really a hideous disease. It's also a helpless disease. And, and I think the psychological effects of leprosy are far worse than the, the physical effects. It was, it was an embarrassing, shameful experience. And you know from the Old Testament that leprosy was extremely contagious, and that's why God laid down such strict laws and rules and regulations to keep it from, from spreading. For example, Leviticus chapter 13, verse 45 says, As for the leper who has the infection, his clothes shall be torn, and the hair of his head shall be uncovered. He shall cover his mustache and cry, Unclean, unclean. He shall remain unclean all the days during which he has the infection. He is unclean. He shall live alone. His dwelling shall be outside the camp. And so if you got leprosy, you were isolated from the rest of society. You became an outcast. You lost your family, your friends, your home, your job. You lost everything, and you had to live as a beggar, totally dependent on anyone who might have pity on you. And wherever you went, you had to warn people that you had leprosy. And so you had to walk around saying, unclean, I'm unclean. Can you imagine walking into Walmart tomorrow morning to get the last bit of items for Thanksgiving dinner, and you had to walk in there and announce that you're unclean? And, and let everybody get out of the way so you can walk and get your gallon of milk, I guess, whatever. But how embarrassing, how, how shameful that would be. It was, it was this sense of helplessness. And not only was it hideous, not only was it helpless, it was hopeless. Because in most cases, it was incurable. And if you got it, you, you never really got rid of it. And, and so a leper had very little hope of recovery, and it was really a living death. You just had to wait around to die. And so here were these 10 lepers in various stages of decay. And they had probably heard of, of, of Jesus' power to heal. And so here he came. They heard he was coming. And, and so they cried out to him as, as their only hope. And notice how they addressed Jesus. It says that they called him Master. It's normally not how people addressed Jesus, but they acknowledged that he had authority over things. If you're a master, it means you have authority. And so he had mastery over things, including disease and even leprosy. 
And so notice how he responds. Verse 14, when he saw them, he said to them, go and show yourselves to the priests. You could look back in Luke chapter 5. Jesus had already healed a man with leprosy by touching him. And then he told him to go see the priest. Um, But here Jesus never even touches these guys or says, be healed. He just tells them to go see the priest. Why would he tell them to go see the priest? Well, the priest served as the health inspectors. According to Leviticus chapter 14, according to Levitical law, if a person was, was, was thought to have leprosy or maybe was healed of leprosy, they were required to show themselves to the priest to verify that they either had leprosy or they no longer had leprosy. And so um, they would have to go through an elaborate eight-day ceremony after which they would be restored and united with their family and, and uh, just uh, be able to be brought back into the normal, uh, you know, normal run of society. But you had to go to the priest. It all happened through the priest. And so the interesting thing is that Jesus told them to go do what a cured leper would do, even though they weren't cured yet. In other words, I think he was testing their faith by telling them to to act like they'd been cured. Hey, just, just go. Go show yourself to the priest. And so when they obeyed his command and they took off to to see the priest, it says that they were healed along the way. As they were going, they were cleansed. And Kent Hughes describes the scene with these words. He said it was a mass healing. There were no mirrors to reflect the dramatic change, but they saw it in each other instantly from cadaverous faces, reemerged ears and noses and eyebrows and lashes and hairlines and feet that were toeless, ulcerated stubs were suddenly whole, bursting shrunken sandals. Knobby appendages grew fingers. Barnacled skin became soft and supple. It was like 10 new births. And then he says, the dust of wild celebration quickly began in the bright sunlight. Can you imagine those 10 guys walking towards the priest to see the priest and they start looking at one another and, hey, you got an ear again. Your, your ear grew back. And then they start looking at themselves. Look, it, I have my fingers again. And, and I mean, what a joyous celebration. They must have been jumping for joy like, like a bunch of kids. And in the midst of that celebration, one of those men, turned around, and ran back to thank Jesus. Notice verse 15. Now, one of them, when he saw that he had been healed, turned back, glorifying God with a loud voice, and he fell on his face at his feet, giving thanks to him. Notice he, he, he knew he had two to thank. It says he glorified God, with a loud voice. So apparently that raspy voice that the leper has was gone. And so he was able to glorify God with a loud voice. Those those words there literally is where we get the word megaphone. So he was loud, glorifying God with a loud voice. And then he also was thanking Jesus. He fell at his face, fell on his face, at his feet, giving him thanks. Of course, this was a, the posture of humble worship. 
And then, of course, Luke almost uh, in passing suddenly says, oh, and by the way, he was a Samaritan. And the issue there was, the um, same as the parable of the Good Samaritan, the story of the Good Samaritan, the Jews despised the Samaritans. They, they considered them half-breeds. They were the ones that were left behind when, when, uh, uh, during the Assyrian exile, and so uh, they were in northern Israel, and they, they intermarried and mixed religions with the Assyrians, and so uh, consequently the Jews wouldn't associate with them. These compromisers, the Samaritans, and you know, whenever they would travel from Jerusalem up to Galilee, they would go around Samaria. They wouldn't even go through. They wouldn't even step foot on, in, into Samaria. Interesting, though, uh, I think the implication is this was a Samaritan, and the other nine guys were what? Jews. And so when you have leprosy, it really doesn't matter if you're a Jew or Samaritan. <laughs> You're a leper. And so leprosy had a way of just neutralizing these social barriers, and so they were lepers. That's all that mattered, and so misery loves company. But the fact that the Samaritan came back and not a Jew, this would have made the average Jewish person hearing this story very upset and maybe even embarrassed and convicted, much like the story of the Good Samaritan. Notice Jesus in verse 17 answered and said, were there not 10 cleansed, but the nine, where are they? Was no one found who returned to give glory to God except this foreigner? So Jesus asked this guy three questions, all of which expressed his displeasure at the ungrateful attitude of the other nine guys that he had healed. He was surprised. He was shocked that there was only one. Well, weren't there 10 of you guys? That I sent off to the priest, why are you the only one back here? I think Jesus would have naturally expected all 10 of the lepers to come back and thank him for healing them. And they should have been so grateful for the sweet providence of God to bring Jesus Christ through their village for the grace and the mercy that caused him to pay attention to them. He didn't have to pay them any attention. He didn't have to heal them in their distress. And, and they should have been grateful for the power of God that was evidenced by their healing. So who are these nine, the nine, where are they? Who, who are they? I think these nine leopards represent the 90% of the people in the world who take for granted all that God does for them and provides for them. Hopefully tonight you're one of the one percenters. You're, you're, you're the leper that has returned to say thank you. Because, let's face it, most people in this world breathe God's air, eat God's food, enjoy the beauty of his creation, but they never stop to thank him for the many blessings they enjoy. And according to this story, Jesus expects us, God expects us to express our gratitude to him, for, to gratitude to him for all that he is and all that he does, and it brings him pleasure when we let him know how grateful we are. The scripture says we need to be continually thankful. Ephesians 5.20, always giving thanks for all things in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ to God, even the Father. Philippians 4.6, be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with what? Thanksgiving. 
Let your requests be made known to God. Colossians chapter 2, verse 6. As you therefore have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, having been firmly rooted and now being built up in him and established in your faith, just as you were instructed and overflowing with gratitude. That should be a characteristic of a Christian, that we're just overflowing with gratitude. Colossians 3.17, whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through him to God the Father. And then lastly, Hebrews 13, verse 15, through him, then let us continually offer a sacrifice of praise to God that is the fruit of lips that give thanks to his name. And do not neglect doing good and sharing, for with such sacrifices, God is pleased. It pleases God when we give thanks to his name. Notice how this story ends here, verse 19. And Jesus said to him, stand up and go. Your faith has made you well. Now, I don't understand why translators translate the Greek word sozo here for made you well because it's clearly the word for save. Literally what this said, what Jesus was saying here is your faith has saved you. So there was more going on here than just being healed from leprosy. This, this man's gratitude to God and, and, and Jesus through whom God's power had worked was, was really just a practical expression of his faith in them for his eternal salvation. The Bible says that it's by grace through faith that we're saved. And all ten lepers were saved from leprosy, but only one was saved from their sin. And based on his faith, Jesus gave him a new clean heart to match his, his new clean body. I'm sure the other nine were thankful to some degree, but their gratitude was focused on the gift. Look at we're, we're, we're healed rather than the giver of the gift. And I think, again, it's like a lot of people in our world, especially here in America during Thanksgiving time. There's a lot of thankfulness going on right now, isn't there? People are thankful for, for, for food and for family and for clothes and for houses and, 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 and Black Friday sales and freedom in America, right? Where there's, there is a, a sense of gratitude and thankfulness. But it's really a nebulous, it's an it's a earthly sort of gratitude that's not focused on God, and their thanks is not directed towards God. It's just more, I'm thankful for my family. I'm not, I'm not thankful to God for my family. And so they fail to acknowledge God and give him the glory for all the things that they're, they're thankful for. And, 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 and yet, unlike most people, this last leopard did the two things that God says rebellious men failed to do, glorify God and give, give him thanks, right? That's exactly what he did. I hope you see the connection here tonight. Because in a spiritual sense, we're the ten lepers. Each of us has a disease that is far more hideous and helpless and hopeless than leprosy. It's called sin. 
And I find it interesting that leprosy is used in the Bible to illustrate sin and its consequences. Let me just read for you one example in Isaiah chapter 1. This is the very beginning of the, the prophet, uh, message of the prophet Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 1, verse 4. Alas, sinful nation, people weighed down with iniquity, offspring of evildoers, sons who act corruptly. They've abandoned the Lord. They've despised the Holy One of Israel. They have turned away from him. And so he's confronting the nation of Israel, for their sin. But then he goes on in verse 5. Where will you be stricken again as you continue in your rebellion? The whole head is sick and the whole heart is faint. From the sole of the foot even to the head, there is nothing sound in it, only bruises, welts, and raw wounds, not pressed out or bandaged nor softened with oil. And Isaiah is likening Israel's sinfulness to a leper. We're covered with sin from head to toe, and we find ourselves standing at a distance from God and separated from God, and, and, and our sin eats away at our souls, and ultimately it will kill us if we don't come to Christ. And so God tells us to confess with our mouths that Jesus is Lord, that he's the master and believe in our hearts that he died as our substitute to pay for our sin and that God raised from, from the dead. And, and, and if we do that, we'll be saved. Now, that might sound a bit crazy, but we believe it. And we do what God's word says. Like the lepers, they, it might have sounded a little crazy. Go see the priest. What are you talking about? We, we, we got leprosy. They're, they're not going to approve us. It sounded crazy, but they did it anyway. And when we place our faith in Jesus Christ, we're forgiven and cleansed from our sin. Again, just look back one more time at what the leper did in verses 15 to 16, the one that returned. Don't, don't miss the, the progression here. It says that now one of them, when he saw that he had been healed, number one, turned back. Number two, he glorified God with a loud voice. Number three, he fell on his face, on his face, at his feet. And then number four, he gave thanks to him. So he repented. He acknowledged God as his creator, his owner. He humbled himself and submitted himself to Christ. And he expressed gratitude for saving him. I mean, this is a beautiful picture of a repentant sinner turning back to God and placing their faith in Jesus Christ for their salvation. This is what a person needs to do to be rescued from sin, death, and hell. You may be here tonight and you're an unbeliever. You're someone that has never truly committed their life to Christ. This is what God wants you to do tonight to be willing to turn away from your life of sin, to give God the rightful place he deserves, to give him honor and thanks, and to humbly submit your life to follow and obey Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. You say, what do I do? How do I do that? Well, you just need to admit to God that you're a repulsive sinner. How's that? Just like a leper, you're repulsive. You're a repulsive sinner. 
who's failed to honor and glorify God with your life. And then you need to believe that he sent his son to pay the price for your sin through his death on the cross, and that's the only way that you can be saved from your sin. You can't heal yourself. And then I would add this, out of a sense of deep gratitude for the sacrifice that he made for you, you need to commit the rest of your life to following and obeying him as your Lord and master. That's what it means to be a Christian. And if you're not a Christian yet, I would invite you to become one tonight. What a perfect night to do it, the night before Thanksgiving. How about for those of us that are Christians? Are you grateful? I mean, really grateful tonight for your salvation. When's the last time you thanked him for saving you from your sin? I'm grateful for the music that we sing here at Lakeside because whether you've done it or not during the week, if you come here on Sunday, you're going to be thanking the Lord and praising the Lord for your salvation because that's most of what our songs are all about. But we need to learn to do that during the week as well through our prayers and even through our songs maybe as we sing in the car or where we go, just worshiping and praising God. I love what David said in Psalm 30, verse 11, thou hast turned for me my mourning into dancing. Thou hast loosed my sackcloth and girded me with gladness that my soul may sing praise to thee and not be silent. O Lord my God, I will give thanks to thee forever. I read somewhere that Spurgeon was witnessing to this elderly woman who was very close, just on the verge of committing her life to Christ, and she said to him this, quote, if Jesus Christ does save me, he'll never hear the end of it. (laughs) And that's what it should be for us, right? That if God has saved us, he should never hear the end of it. We should be praising him and thanking him all the time, over and over and over again. Let's pray. Father, we fall at Jesus' feet tonight. And our hearts are humbled as we consider our great salvation. Who are we as repulsive sinners that you would choose to be merciful to us Thank you for hearing our cry for help, our cry for mercy. Thank you for saving us. Father, we are here to give you thanks and praise. And in the midst of this season of thanksgiving, we want you to know that above everything else we're thankful for, we're ultimately thankful for our salvation in Christ that you have so graciously and mercifully provided for us. And we know that every good and perfect gift comes from you. And we acknowledge that tonight. We say thank you in Jesus' name.